This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and I'll be detailing the Raptors' latest win, 121-109 against the Orlando Magic. A very encouraging win, one that saw them actually clinch the Atlantic Division title. First of all, this podcast is brought to you by Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger's Personal Injury Lawyers. Thanks for the sponsorship. Now let's move on to the first quarter. First quarter was actually super disappointing. Obviously, the game ended really well for the Raptors, extremely encouraging. But the first quarter was terrible. It was horrible to watch, at least for the first eight, nine minutes of it. The Raptors, Pascal Siakam was getting a lot of possessions on offense. And it turns out that Jonathan Isaac is the ideal matchup league-wide to guard Pascal Siakam. It wouldn't be Kawhi Leonard. It wouldn't be Tony Allen of 2012. It wouldn't be any of those guys. It's Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic. He was a beast. His length and agility was kind of a perfect match for Siakam. Even when Siakam tried to go into the paint and rough him around in there, Isaac's length was still a major deterrent. And Isaac's length and, I guess, proclivity towards being a deterrent was embodied by the team because the Orlando Magic were were very active, long, and engaged early on, so much so that the baseline pass that has kind of been a staple of the Raptors' offense. They use it to get around defenses to create really great corner looks that Danny Green's especially good at shooting. The Magic defense actually took that away and very effectively. And I guess the response in this game for the Raptors was just to get the ball to Danny Green above the break, and he did damage, man. Like, Danny Green had an incredible game. If there were doing three stars, he would obviously be the first one. But... He started his damage in this one early. He was doing work from above the break, shooting the three. When things really bogged down, they would find a mismatch for him. When Augustine was guarding him, he'd go into the post, and they'd start moving the ball around from the breakdowns he would create there. He was he was very, very present and very dominant in this game, as dominant as a player like Danny Green can be. But he was, he was incredibly important to the Raptors' offense. The defense for the Raptors was extremely poor early on. It was something like 40 points, it almost seemed like, in the first 12 minutes. And it was pretty much because the compete level to go around, dodge, fight through screens was really low. Like, from the Raptors as a whole, it's not Lowry or Siakam or Leonard or anybody in particular. It just seemed like it was every single player on the floor was getting absolutely smacked by either Gordon or Vucevic on screens, and it was like they weren't people. They were cement walls because the Raptors just died on every single screen. Marcus All kind of, it seemed like he was dropping a bit too low and wasn't playing the middle like well enough. I mean, Gasol came through in a big way later on in the game, trust me, but early on, his pick-and-roll defense was pretty bad. There were a lot of lanes to the rim that he just granted, and there were a couple missed rotations, even when he wasn't in the pick and roll, that both he and Siaka missed, where they were just being lazy. They didn't want to close out. 
And I guess that's another thing the Raptors did was their closeouts were extremely poor early on. So the, the pick-and-roll defense was really bad. The breakdowns that came off of that were wide-open shots for the Magic, and the closeouts the Raptors were using to defend those wide-open shots were poor as well. And what that ended up being was just a very, very bad defensive quarter for the Raptors. And it's just, I mean, it's something you don't like to see. I'm pretty sure the Magic ended up with like 36 first-quarter points, which is a lot because the Magic aren't a typically great offensive team, at least not league-wide. I mean, they're a lot better than the guys I play with from time to time, but they're not, like, they're in the 20s, I'm pretty sure, ranked offensively. But defensively, I mean, they're a great team, so it wasn't really surprising that they offered up something that was pretty stressful for the Raptors to try and work around. The Raptors eventually did get there. I mean, it was it was pretty great. The Raptors, who were stymied early on, kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing, and they actually ended up getting it that their first eight field goals came on eight assists. The really, really stingy Orlando defense that was, yes, an incredible amount of effort and length, the Raptors still managed to pass around them and did, and did a great job. That was really rewarding to see, especially since the Raptors, they had to produce on offense because they couldn't secure their own defensive glass. The Orlando was also making really high-level shots, and the Raptors just didn't seem to have a fix at that point in time. Of course, the second quarter was a completely different story. We saw like a really, really great performance defensively by Lowry, Gasol, and Van Vliet. They really picked it up, and I guess I would just break it down by saying like the pick-and-roll defense became a lot more aggressive in the second quarter. Um, I have Marcus Gasol's quote from his halftime. Defensively, we finally got stops, slowed them down, and started to run. Pretty succinct, but it, it definitely makes sense. The second quarter run, I'm pretty sure it ended on a 19-2 run to close the half. Gasol was in for that. Lowry was in for that. Van Vliet. And it was they started playing a really aggressive type of pick-and-roll defense. And since they were playing so aggressive, obviously, the onus ended up on the back end of the defense, which it often does when you play aggressive pick-and-roll um, defensive coverage. But the Raptors actually, their closeouts improved significantly. They were much better attacking shooters, running them off the line, and getting them into situations where it's like, if you beat your man, you're rewarded with, like, a semi-open mid-range jumper instead of where it was in the first quarter. It was like, if you beat your man, you're going to find another guy who's going to shoot a wide-open three-pointer. Or there's going to be a layup for one of Vucevic, Gordon, or Augustine, something like that. So the Raptors' defensive principles completely shifted, and they played a much better version of themselves in the second quarter and completely dominated the Magic, like, absolutely dominated them. It was 33-16 to in that quarter. I'm pretty sure, which is, you know, kind of gobsmacking. You wouldn't expect any team to be halved in a quarter, but there it was. Um, The third quarter was, it was also really good. I guess it would be kind of the way you would describe the third quarter was Isaac was still demonstrating very, very good defense on Siakam. And Siakam had to figure out a way to to contribute on offense without being dominated defensively by Isaac. So we saw Siakam, instead of where his speed is often 
his mismatch, right? That's how he's going to dominate other players or just his sheer size. He had to outthink Isaac, who physically is just a, a very imposing defender. But he's not a defensive player of the year candidate or anything. He's not a fully formed defensive hellhound. You know what I mean? So Siakam, who is, you know, a very creative player on offense, had to figure out, okay, I'm going to slow down my pacing. I'm going to use the attention that I draw, even though Isaac is doing a good job. I'm drawing a bit of extra attention as the primary ball handler, and I'm going to manipulate the defense so that I create open shots. So he was he shared the lineup where Danny Green literally took a match and started burning the Scotiabank Arena to the ground. He was shooting so incredibly well. the the crowd was The crowd was great. Everybody was egging him on. He was. I think he ended up before the third quarter was over. He had 29 points, seven of 10 from downtown. And the conversation on Twitter was like, is he the best three-point shooter in Raptors history? Which, yes, a resounding yes. Danny Green is the best at everything. Katie Heindel and I talked about his place on the Raptors in the last weekly podcast. Um, I have a podcast with Dave Dufour coming out on Thursday, and we talked about how great Danny Green was. He, He used the term like he's one of the best defensive guards of the past 25 years. I'd never heard somebody be that generous to him but I I don't have any qualms with that description he's certainly Danny Green has been an incredible defensive guard and especially at this point with the Raptors an incredible shooter of course his defense is not something we should forget about but just just really appreciative that we get to watch Danny Green do this and that he came along in the Kawhi trade it's just he's such a fun guy to cheer for and watching him come in and just throw down a 29-point game, hit seven triples. It's such it's so rewarding as a fan when you like to cheer for the good guys. And the Raptors' style of offense right now is just, it's so much fun to watch. Like, it's almost never bogged down. They, like, they pass the ball so well. I can't remember how many assists they have. I'll look it up. But by game's end, I think it was something like, I think they eclipsed 30 again. Let's see. 31 assists by game's end. And how many made shots? Let's take a look. Just about dropped my phone. That's why my voice went all funky. So 31 assists on 42 made shots, including 19 triples. That is just a resounding yes from all fans who watch the game saying, like, yes, keep doing it. I guess I should also just quickly mention Ibaka was actually good in the first, the, the tail end of the first quarter. Most of the team was bad, but Ibaka was pretty good, I thought. Ibaka, I feel like, gets kind of the short end of the stick because he's not generally playing with Gasol. He did at the end of the first quarter. But overall, he's not playing the super fun brand of basketball that we're seeing with the Raptors. He, he's not in the type of basketball that we see the Raptors, who are now like one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Ibaka is not really a part of that style. He plays with the bench. They play a little different. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't been good. Ibaka was awesome tonight. Um, I guess the second half against the Bulls, I guess the second half against Bulls, Knicks, Bulls, and the second half in this one, we see the bench lineups come in, and Ibaka is the guy. Him and Van Vliet share that role, but Ibaka, he plays incredible defense. He's the back line of that lineup, and he's incredibly important to what the Raptors do both on offense and defense. And closing out these games has been pretty free of stress lately. 
And that's largely a credit to Serge Ibaka because he's been so good. Like, he's been consistent hitting that elbow jumper that you can just look to get him when you're when the offense really needs a bucket. You can just run that little pick and pop, and he'll get out there, and he'll take his shot. He was also really important in the first quarter when the Raptors were like, okay, how are we, we going to beat this extremely intimidating physical Orlando defense? They went like they went to the Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka pick and roll, I think like three times in a row, resulted in two baskets, two baskets over the course of the game. Not the biggest thing. He had more, obviously, but in that first quarter when it was like, Orlando scoring everything. We need to keep up, but their defense is really good, and we're not going to shoot 100% from three. Being able to go to Serge Ibaka pick and pop, extremely useful, extremely valuable. Um, I guess the fourth quarter of the game, not super eventful. I mean, the 905 guys came in. They did their thing. Boucher put up triples. Powell um, played pretty well for I think maybe the fifth or sixth game in a row I've been really really happy with Norman Powell lately Um, his energy is kind of infectious Jeremy Lin it seemed like he got the short end of the stick around the basket when it came to foul calls but he was plugging away all night he did his best Um, I guess I didn't mention Kawhi Kawhi I should give him props he in a game where it was very tough to play his specific style because again, Orlando's defense is it's a good defense and you can't just ISO against those guys. Kawhi being able to fit into the team's dynamic tonight was the first time I've really seen him do that at a high level. He ended up five of twelve from the floor, he had fifteen points, but he also had seven boards and five assists. He like he just coalesced, he acquiesced. I'm using one of those words wrong, I'm almost sure of it, but We'll fight our way through it, guys. But he found his way into the team's flow and style when he often hasn't been able to do that. And I, I guess everyone would remember that, that big rebound over Aaron Gordon, passing out to Marcus All for that four-point play. is just like, maybe that's the red herring. Maybe that's like, we see it now, and that's hinting at, listen, this team in the playoffs, it can be really good. You're going to have those types of plays in the playoffs, the types of plays that... We didn't have before. We didn't have a wing player that skies for an offensive rebound and gives it to our center who gets like six assists a game and shoots it well from downtown. Those are just things we haven't had in Raptorland for quite some time. Not since Hito Turgaloo and Andrea Bargnani, the vaunted duo. Um, jokes aside, I just wanted to give Kawhi Leonard his due. He, Even though it wasn't a gaudy statistical game, his, his overall floor play... And just his feel in this one was awesome. It was great to see him play that type of basketball instead of, I've used the term before, compartmentalizing his offense from the Raptors' offense where oftentimes his baskets don't come in the flow. They come when you just kind of slow the game down and he goes into his offense and he gets his, which is, of course, efficient and good. It's just you like to see a tone, uh, a narrative, a style over a game. And we completely saw that. And it resulted in sheer dominance over the actually quite good Orlando Magic, who were, I think, 7-1 and one in their last eight. They're a good team. They want to win every game down the stretch. They're trying to make the playoffs, and the Raptors spanked them. So good for the Raptors. They kept the Magic in ninth, left them farther than they'd like to be, and the Magic were, they were desperate to win. They really wanted this one, and the Raptors, they handled their business. Extremely important. And... 
man, what an encouraging win. I guess the fourth quarter was, yeah, I'll get back to that. It was, it was okay. 905 guys came in. Lynn played Van Vliet a bit. Ibaka held it down, like really held it down. Really happy with his production because something those like end of the game lineups need to hold leads back is production and like having Serge Ibaka come in and just shoot 70% and pour in 15 points is it's a big deal and it's important to the offense especially at that point in the game you know being 121-109 and the Raptors they walk away with another great feel-good win and this time it didn't have to be against a G League opponent this time it was against an actually a good opponent a fun opponent in the Orlando Magic awards the Mitchell Robinson award I think I have to give it to uh to Jonathan Isaac, who was, I mean, he was great. He, I think he finished with eight points, but early on, having him play that type of defense on Siakam, where Siakam is one of the beloved children of the Toronto Raptors, and we giggle at him exposing and embarrassing defenders all the time, and his storyline is kind of the storyline of the season for the Raptors. His most improved player, I guess, candidacy, it's one of it's one of the fun things to look at and one of the fun things to break down. So for Isaac to kind of just take his game and just completely stagnate it, take it away, and for him to hit those two triples early on and to look just the full part of a dominant 3 and D player, super, super villain-esque, let's say. Reggie Evans Award, I mean, it just, it has to be Danny Green. There's, there's like, three and D guys are often, you know, you're synonymous with hustle. But also that, like, he hustled and his work running around screens, spacing out to the corner, filling the lane when he can. That when the offense slowed down, he just went to the post and dominated there. Like, he did so many things tonight. He wasn't just a shooter. I mean, that's why he gets a Reggie Evans award. And if you hit seven triples in a game, you're probably going to get the Reggie Evans Award, even though that's not at all what Reggie Evans did. But, I mean, let's just give the guy. you got to have a bit of hustle to put up seven triples and make seven of them. I think he put up ten overall, but you got to have a bit of hustle in you to do that. Maybe I'd even give it to Jimmer Fredette if he was a Raptor. you gotta ha- you got to have some energy to put up that many shots, I'm sure. Terrence Ross might have won it if he was on the team. He put up a lot of jumpers tonight. And the quick reaction comment. Is from Van City B-Ball, a, um, a mainstay of the Raptors public comment section. He says, Danny Green is the painting at the garage sale that sold for $5, but turns out to be a Banksy. Yes, very good. Big fan of that description. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what Banksy would think of that description, because Banksy, that's his whole thing, is like, this is worth nothing, and yet you value it so high. Whereas Danny Green is like, I can't believe he was valued so low when he's honestly very much a very high value. I mean, Danny Green is, he's the best. I, I said a lot of things about Danny Green in this podcast, so my response to that is, yeah, everything I said before, and I really like the way you put that Vansity B-ball. Um, that's a great way to close it out. If the team plays like this, I mean, it looks like whispers. We're finals bound. The Bucks can't guard the well we'll see this was extremely encouraging to i said in the preview i did for this game 
that I want to see Nick Nurse provide a solve because we haven't seen that much of that this year. It seemed it seemed like they had a solve. The Raptors were down early. They got punched in the face at the start of the game, but they came back and they did it, man. And in a very, very dominant fashion. Great to see A-pluses all around tonight. Great job for the Raptors. And if you like this, you just go to raptorsrepublic.com. You can read more articles. There's great stuff coming out every day. If you want to check out the Twitter or the Instagram, just Raptors Republic. I've been your host, Samson Folk. I hope you have a great day, morning, night, whenever you're listening to this. And go Raptors. Have a blessed day.